0: Welcome to Behind the Band, a podcast where we're all about helping you grow your music career. We do that by talking with really awesome artists, people from the industry, all of that cool stuff. So my name is David Ryan Olson. I'm from Evergreen Records. We are a production company that wants to be a little bit more than a production company for you. We actually want to help you grow even outside the studio. So that's why we do things like this podcast and a couple other cool things I'm going to be telling you about in a second. But real excited about today's episode because we have Wild Rivers. They are a great band from Toronto, Canada, and real Glad that we had this conversation because especially with the whole uh, COVID situation over the past year or so, maybe you're feeling like your growth has stalled a little bit. Maybe feel like, you know, everything's a little bit of a shot in the dark, even in previous years and maybe even going forward, you're not quite sure what's going on that's okay. They're going to be telling about their experience, how they got their start, really found their footing, and how they felt like everything was a shot in the dark for a while. So real excited to jump into that conversation. Before we do, I am really excited to officially be launching our new Discord community. Discord's a a cool little app where you can hang out and you have little chat rooms and you have voice chat rooms as well where you can have ongoing conversations. So we are in the early stages of building a community on Discord. And the whole point of our Discord, it's free, is just to get together with other artists, hang out, talk about music, talk about the industry, talk about food, gaming, dogs, whatever you want. But I know this is kind of a time in the world where we're still feeling like we need a little bit of community. And I think even especially as we're transitioning back into in-person things over this next year, I think still having a little bit of a community to be plugged in online is going to help with that transition back into the real world. So, would love for you to sign up for our Discord community. Just go to evergreenrecords.com/community to sign up for that. But now, without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into our conversation today with Wild Rivers. All right, Wild Rivers, how are you guys doing?
1: Doing well, thank you for having us.
0: We're great. Absolutely, absolutely. Real stoked to have you on. would love just to get to know you a little bit. Why don't you go ahead and just share your story?
1: So we became a band, uh, well, actually, before we were a band, Khaled and I met in college, in university, about three hours outside of, of Toronto. It's called Queen's University. And we were both studying things completely unrelated to music, but kind of looking for a musical outlet and doing it as a hobby and playing around campus and trying to find ways to get involved. And just through asking around to friends and peers, we got introduced because we were both kind of looking for people to collaborate with. And from there, we started playing cover shows together and just kind of doing it for fun and doing it to entertain our friends and just having fun with it while we were in school. And then we started to build a little bit of a following in our in our college campus. And I think that initially gave us the confidence to start taking it a little more seriously and and realize, oh, people actually like listening to us like Maybe we should like start making some some original music and, and try this thing. I think it's something we had always wanted to do, but never really known how to approach it. So it was a great place to get started to just kind of have that testing ground of being in college. And then when we graduated, we wanted to go in and make our first album and we needed to get a band together to play on the album. And that's kind of how we met the rest of the band. And it just felt great to hear the songs in a more fleshed out four piece band version and we wanted to be able to play shows that was kind of conducive to a a bigger sound. So that's where we met Andrew and our first drummer Ben. And um, yeah, that's kind of where we started. We released our first album and then we just toured as much as we could for the first few years until we slowly, slowly built a, a little bit of a following. And then we would just kind of back in Spotify data, we would kind of go in and be like, okay, there's 25 people listening in New York, so let's just play a show in New York. And we are really just flying by the seat of our pants and winging it and trying to figure out how people did it. And yeah, that's kind of the the short version of a long story. And ever since then, we've just been kind of still figuring it out and trying to make it happen.
0: Yeah, that's great. I think it's cool that you were paying attention to where, you know, you were starting to get a little bit of traction and then you were like, oh, well, we have a few fans here. Let's uh, We might as well just go play a show there. That's kind of advanced marketing to a certain extent to know that like, let's look at the data and uh, apply it from there.
1: Yeah. Cause Spotify had just came out in 2015 and that's when we had just released our first album. I remember they, I guess they marketed it as giving you the backend data and, and giving artists access to more information than they would ha- otherwise have. So we just found it super interesting to see. It was kind of mind blowing that anyone could discover it anywhere in the world. And so we decided to really pay attention to that. I don't know what made us do it at the beginning, but I think we kind of just wanted to like prove to ourselves that these people were real.
2: We were in disbelief that there were people listening. <laughs> it was more just to test ourselves. like, Is the internet all made up or is there faces behind all the names and numbers that showed up? And we've been kind of pleasantly surprised as like... Our whole careers and kind of trying our best to figure it out and trying our best to follow where it's smoking. And like, I feel like we'll, we will always be doing that, always be trying to like try different things and see what works for us because we've kind of had a different trajectory than the traditional band trajectory. So even to this day, we can, we continue to kind of look at that data and see where our fans are and try to plan our careers around that.
0: Well, what does that mean? You've had a little bit of a different trajectory from other bands
2: until recently we didn't sign to a label we did everything kind of independently as a as a point of pride and really didn't have much industry support and that kind of pushed us towards like a certain career trajectory we really were fan focused the entire time not for lack of wanting industry support we we sent our music all around and early on didn't have any labels that were interested in us but we saw that we We uploaded it directly from an album that we funded ourselves from doing like bar gigs and stuff. It was very kind of grassroots in that way. So a lot of the time we felt like we had to kind of take matters into our own hands a little bit. And it wasn't until we reached like a threshold that we didn't need a label or a manager or industry support. Like we had done a bunch on our own. So then we were in a position where we could be like, okay, what specifically can these team members do? better than the way we currently do it because we've been doing it ourselves the whole time.
0: Yeah, but that's kind of the way it goes these days is artists really have to figure things out for themselves before even getting any sort of industry support. And then even when you get industry support, it doesn't necessarily mean anything like the mythos of, you know, Back in the 70s and 80s and even even 90s for a while, it's like, oh, well, you know, if you just get discovered by an A&R guy, they're going to hand you, a, you know, a giant check and toss you keys to a Lamborghini, you know, automatically. Can you share a little bit more about what that was like in your early days, just trying to struggle to figure out the business side of everything?
2: It was all encompassing. It was like a lot of work. Us three in the band are all very interested in the business side of it anyways and and really wanted a hand in, in every facet of our careers. So at certain points it was a lot more kind of work related to running the business than the music at points. So we would make an album and then we'd plan the tour ourselves and call venues and email and book the tour ourselves, be our own tour managers. So we were kind of flying by the seat of our pants but we learned a ton and we liked every part of it. We never felt like we were like too over our head. It was just kind of what we did and it allowed us to have music be our full-time job. I think a lot earlier than, than maybe our equivalent who had a big team to do all of these things. And now we feel like we understand our career and our business at like a deeper level. And we're really thankful that we can just have a tour manager and go on tour and show up to a venue and just like play and like, not worry about all that other stuff. We don't take that for granted that we just like, we've earned the right a little bit to, to focus on the music, which is great.
0: Yeah, Devin, it almost looked like at the start there you were going to add something.
2: Oh,
1: no, I was going to say something very similar, but I was also going to say like it was it was really tough at the beginning because like Cal said, a lot of our time was going into the kind of nitty gritty of like reaching out to people, blog blasting a million people a day and just like trying to like get people's emails and, and <laughs> troll the Internet and try and find people who would care about it on top of booking the tours and all that stuff. So. As much as I like, I agree with what Cal said, it did take a while for us to finally be able to focus on just the music. And I think we learned a lot from that hustle. And now I agreed we, we can appreciate what it's like to just, just do the music part of it.
0: Yeah. So can you share a little bit more about what that grind was like? You talked about, you know, blasting out to all sorts of blogs and trying to book venues and whatnot. What were some of the things you did wrong and some of the things you did right kind of early on?
1: I think what's so tough about this industry and about trying to get started is that you kind of have to cover all your bases and you don't really know which one is working because for example like one of our biggest moments early on in our career is when one of our songs got on a Spotify playlist and out of nowhere just one day a couple months after our album came out and that's kind of what got us a lot more traction early on but we have no idea how we did it. (laughs) It could have been all the emails. It could have been like the blogs we were reaching out to. It could have been X, Y, and Z. But I think it's so hard to know what is actually the right thing to spend your time on because there's so many different paths to the same end goal. And yeah, so it was just, if sometimes it felt like just a shot in the dark every time we did something. And that was a little frustrating because it's hard to kind of like structure out a plan to get to where we wanted to go. We kind of had to, to divide and conquer and like approach it from all different angles.
2: It was a lot of shots, shots in the dark. I feel like early on, it was a catch-all, everything we can do, every way we can. There's always something you could be doing. There's always there's always something that could help your career or or do absolutely nothing. So we're complete we're completely blind, naive, making stuff up. And some some of it worked. It was kind of the sum of all parts but we made probably every mistake you could make early on. Like one of our first tours, we showed up to the venue and (laughs) we like load into the venue, get everything ready. And then the booker says, Hey, aren't you supposed to be here tomorrow night? (laughs) I was like, Oh my God. No, no, that's tonight. And luckily, luckily it was a small enough venue in small town Canada that they're friendly enough. People will be like, ah, We'll just add you to the bill tonight. <laughs> They'll love you. And I think we got paired with like a metal group or something. Nice. And it was just such an em- embarrassing mix up. And there's a there's a hundred stories like that where we've left passports and motels and like...
1: Yeah, we're not very good at being our own tour managers. That's for sure. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we learned some tough lessons. I remember another time we, like, we were often blogged blasting like a bunch of press outlets and stuff to try to get that first record heard and one time we set up and sent like a couple thousand emails on a blog blog blast and the link to our music was wrong so every single person that we sent it got no link to the music and we were just like oh my god how did we mess this up so we've survived some big boo-boos
0: yeah <laughs> well i th- I think that also shows that you can make mistakes and have it still work out, so even if you screw up or feel like you don't know what you're doing, like there's still hope for you to you know to get it together a little bit
1: yeah you've got you've got to be humbled
2: <laughs> everybody makes mistakes. it's like goes back to the if you have the tenacity to just keep going and keep doing the little things that the the little bumps in the road are totally totally fine, don't matter.
0: yeah, well, you almost need some of the tenacity because. For as much as we try to like, you know, say, well, you know, here's steps one, two, and three for building a successful music career, it's going to be different for everybody because everybody has different situations, different personalities, different styles. Every genre has its own quirk business-wise. So, you know, it's going to feel like a big shot in the dark, no matter what. Can you share what some of those specific shots in the dark were?
1: Man, I feel like... I feel like everything kind of was, but one one specific one I remember is, um before our first show in Toronto, Andrew and I drove around. We just like had a list of every like music related media company in Toronto, and we printed out all these flyers, and we just sort we of just like knocking on doors and being like, We're playing a show if you want to come. And they probably just threw out the flyer as soon as we walked away, but we just did that to like a hundred people and everyone was kind of like, why are you in our office? <laughs> it was pretty awkward. <laughs> I'd like to think they came, but we will never know.
0: Yeah, so what kind of era was this? What year was it that you were starting to to turn this into like a more official thing?
1: I think 2015, we, we had kind of set out to dedicate, it's funny to think about, but I remember us saying like, we'll just give it a year. <laughs> We'll just try really hard for a year. And if it's not working, then we'll just, you know, shift gears and do something else. So that year we were super focused and motivated on promoting the first album and just kind of figuring out how people got into the music industry because it's, it is vague and we didn't know anyone who was doing it. So we were just kind of hunkering down that year and meeting as many people as we could and just playing as much as we could and kind of saying yes to every opportunity that came. So I think that was that was the main year of that kind of grind and then the following two years I think were really big touring years for us as well. We were just playing all around Canada and the US as much as we could.
2: I think that coincided with it felt like the first class of like streaming focused bands like it was when Spotify was really having having a boom. So we we released it 2016 and I think what we focused on early on at the time we focused on it was important to our success and in the streaming world at least, in that there was a couple bands like in our genre. This is like on the tail end of like Mumford and like the big like folk kind of renaissance that that happened. And like there was I think there's a big appetite for that on like streaming. So we were lucky I think to reap some of the benefits of that. And then combining that with like touring a lot in the States where our market was like really, I think, connected the dots for us to like make that streaming career into like a real career with other facets that we could have real fans that had value so that the timing of it, it feels, it feels fortuitous that we released and did what we did when we did it, which I guess was, I guess it was partly by design, but again, was a shot in the dark.
0: Yeah. Well, I I guess I'm just curious because... There have been definitely kind of different eras of what's, you know, quote-unquote cool for promoting your music. I mean, like, obviously, blogs were real cool, kind of 2010-ish, and then it became Spotify playlists, and now it's playlists and TikTok or, or, or whatever it is. And w- it was just kind of wanting to get a feel for why... You chose what you chose, knowing it's a little bit of a shot in the dark, but just kind of wanted to get inside your your brain about what your initial promotional push was like as a new artist.
2: I don't think we ever, firstly, I don't think we ever considered ourselves like a cool, like trendy band. Like we always, like our deepest inspirations are like classic artists and stuff. So people from the 60s and 70s. So there's a lot of like, we have a wide range of people that like our music. It's not so much like a super young demographic we have that but then we have like lots of 30 and 40 year olds really like our music so we were never like the cool on the front page of like pitchfork kind of band but it was really important to us to be like a real band that could play live that was always like something that as soon as we got our manager and an agent like we have to be like a an actual band who can deliver a live show and play real instruments and like have something that's very tangible. So I think the combination, the combination of being like streaming and social media and all that focused with, hey, you can show up to a show and see a band play like real instruments and have a concert and talk about songs that are like a little more intimate. We felt like if we checked those boxes, then that would cover a lot of ground in the audience that we would reach.
0: Totally, totally. Well, I think it's also great that you kind of also understand who you are You know, you're not trying to be necessarily the hip new TikTok band that goes viral, whatnot. You're more concerned about okay, let's write cool songs and have a good time playing and connect with people.
2: Yeah, well, we would love the TikTok viral hit (laughs) if that ends up happening. You can think of a dance for a TikTok song. (laughs) We're totally up for that. (laughs) It's a weird balance because, like, we also we don't want to be like purists and like luddites with like an old school like, vision of, like, music, only you have to, TikTok is stupid and, like, young people don't listen to good music. Like, I think that idea is pretty, like, antiquated and is a recipe for, like, disaster. So it's a, it's a mix between, like, adapting with the times and staying true to yourself.
0: Yeah. Can you share a little bit more about that? Has there ever been conscious efforts because of certain situations or whatever? What is your journey about being true to yourself? Just kind of curious if there's any sort of Instinct you have about responding to that?
2: No, that's a good way to describe the question. It's not a straightforward answer. I think we've we've always kind of pursued what what we personally liked and what spoke what spoke to us. I think we've been lucky that our tastes are like a little bit lean towards the pop side. That I think our tastes coincide with the general public in a lot of ways. On this last record, at least, we we had such a, a range of things that we thought were cool, and I think we've slowly develop the confidence to be like hey this isn't exactly in our lane but we like how this sounds right now and this isn't like a typical vocal sound we would do but it's cool so like let's roll with it I think it's taken a little bit of maturity as artists to to break down some of those barriers or preconceptions so we're really just following our guts
1: yeah I I don't know that's a that's a tough question I feel like I think it's easy with our genre because I do feel like since we are kind of in the indie folk space, it is what it is. It doesn't drastically change sonically or trend wise. And I think like the trends we see happening that might be a little bit more of the times just don't feel like they would fit for us anyway. So it's kind of easier to just stick to like the music as the, the focus rather than, rather than other things. But I think you put it, put it well.
2: Yeah, I think that our ideology has been uh, serve the song. And the, the, that's been our compass and these kind of decisions too. So trends or whatever styles, everything comes and goes. We have found our compass to be like, hey, this is what we're trying to say in the song. This is like what the message is, the tone is, the lyric is. What enhances that? There's usually an answer that feels like a little bit more objectively like right or wrong when you ask that question, as opposed to the question of like, what do we want our band to be? What do we want? Like th- those questions become like a little more complicated. But when we break it down, be like, "Hey, this is one decision like is this helping this part of this song?" Then we usually land in like a similar place and have an answer that that makes sense.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I think in some ways, just because you have a little bit more simple orchestration, you know, you're a little bit more traditional instruments. You're not necessarily trying to have focus on like, well, how do I get like, you know a cool new synth sound that's kind of like, you know, whatever that like some of the more TikToky y type, that's a new adjective, I guess. <laughs> and the new tick-tocky type artists might be, you know, focused on, you're almost freed up in the sense to say, you know, we're just going to focus on the songs because we're going to experiment with our sound a little bit. But like, you know, for the most part, this is what we are.
2: Yeah, I think totally read it where it's the balance of that and then not wanting to box ourselves into the same, same thing. So if we generally follow that inspiration and then like are willing to kind of take the long way around to try different things and like not say no to ideas, that's, that's kind of the niche we're trying to like settle into where we're not afraid to try stuff, but we know where we want to go.
0: So I'd love to talk a little bit more about your style now. It's interesting to me because it's kind of folk, it's kind of indie, but it's also like kind of soul or a little bit like, I don't know, maybe maybe Motown y. I, I don't know quite what it is. What what would you describe your style as?
1: This is the question we always struggle with. It's yeah, I don't know. I, I find I find it so hard to to put things in the boxes of genres and I I always thought of us as a folk band and but then I think as our music progressed and as our as we put up more EPs we did kind of gravitate a little bit more of like a rock soul direction. I always like to ask our listeners what they think, because I think sometimes we get so deep inside the process of, of creating the songs that we're like, what is this? Like we'll come out of a session and be like, what genre is that? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's a, that's a tough question. I'm not sure.
2: (laughs) I was going to say that, that I think we also saw real folk bands, like real folk bands at some of our folk festivals and like incredible, not what we do. Like we're like, we have respect for the, that genre as, like, a folk purist. But uh, I think we realized as we went to, like, folk festivals and stuff that, like, what we did is, is like, a little more, like, pop-leaning or, like, goes in totally different directions than, like, a pretty specific format. So it's hard to describe ourselves as, like, a folk band after doing the folk band circuit, I think.
1: <laughs> it's true. It's tough because we, we actually get that feedback sometimes from people in the industry being like, I want to book you for this festival, but it's Americana festival and like, you're not Americana enough or it's a country festival and you're not country enough or it's a pop festival and you're not pop enough. And it's really weird to hear that because I feel like we kind of do span those things, but not enough that we're classified in those ways that kind of, they want to call us that and they want to group us in with other artists that are more in that lane. So yeah, it's, it is strange because I think we, we kind of ride the line. And like Cal said, I think we try and serve the song rather than be like, oh, is this folk enough to be a Wild River song? we just kind of like, if we like the song, we'll build it up how it's supposed to be dressed up. And then after we're like, well, what is that? <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> too, <laughs> gotta... too often, too often. Yeah, This is going to sound, this might sound arrogant, but like some of our favorite artists of all time, like, the singer songwriters of the 60s and 70s like Paul Simon it would be hard to consider him a folk artist from like his as a totality of his catalog because he made such weird music and like went from folk indie rock like Fleetwood Mac that like it's all kind of like singer songwriters is how it is because they're just songs that you make in a studio and you can make them whatever you want and they they turn into everything but like I wouldn't call Paul Simon like a folk singer, even though he's like part of the biggest folk act ever. <laughs> if you listen to his his records, like his solo records, like that's that's not what it is, and he's changed and evolved. Maybe it speaks to the genre that it it can become other things.
1: Mm-hmm. I think also if if you look at more modern examples like Coldplay, it's like I think the common thread between bands like that that we that we love is that they. They start as in kind of a more singer-songwriter-focused direction, and then they just are able to evolve while staying like true to their the core of what they are. And I think that's kind of what we try and value is like, could this song sound good if we just sang it with an acoustic guitar? Okay, then it's a song that's worth pursuing, and how can we make it more interesting by like arranging it and, and adding different soundscapes and, and kind of building it out that way?
0: That kind of really resonates with me just because putting aside my music industry side as a, someone who enjoys music, you can always tell when it's a good song that's been well arranged rather than an arrangement for the sake of like an arrangement, trying to be cool. Like the songs that you remember 20 years from now, you remember them 20 years from now because they're good songs at the core and not just because, you know, it had the coolest new synth sound or, or, or whatever. And I'd like that you point out, you know, the whole acoustic guitar thing, because that is a great litmus test. And also because, you know, half the time you're going to have some random engagement where they want you to play a song with just an acoustic guitar anyway. So like, it better work with just an acoustic.
1: Definitely. We've had many of those.
0: Well, okay, just to kind of continue down that that path a little bit, I think, you know, if you say that you are kind of bending a lot of different genres and you're you have one foot in one genre, another foot in another genre, I mean, this is like the right time to do that. Like the silos of genre are less of a thing these days. Because of the internet, Spotify can basically they know who loves folk and soul and you know, you know, singer-songwriter, and they can put you in front of those people from a booking perspective, it's not about, you know, the big festivals anymore. You have email, everybody has email, you can email venues. I mean, obviously you've hired someone to do that at this point, but like still great time to play with genres. So like, I think it's great that you've brought that up that you don't necessarily feel like you need to like force yourself into one little thing.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think it's definitely, definitely changing. And yeah, the internet is definitely the driving force of that. So
0: it is good. What advice would you have for artists that are just starting out?
1: I think I would say focus mostly on your songs and your music, but also be able to be self-sustaining in terms of making demos, recording things at home, like knowing how splits work and knowing the technicalities and and knowing kind of. The business side of it to a point where you're just savvy enough to hold conversations and kind of hold your own and be able to get yourself to a certain level because I think so many people do just want to kind of blow up on TikTok and then like figure it out from there and I think that can work sometimes but unless you have a strong foundation of confidence in yourself as an artist and in your sound and knowing the the kind of foundational things that you need to know about the business side of things it it will be tough to kind of take it past that first level and it's also right now we just have so many resources of of creating music that the further you can get on your own the more wisely you can kind of use your time and just meet as many people as you can and just get comfortable playing and performing and putting yourself out there I think.
2: Everyone has the tools to learn how to do how to do everything and how to educate yourself on most aspects of the career. Also find out what you're good at and define yourself based on some, maybe something specific to go with, like a wide range of skills. And for like creative stuff, I would say to use as a guide to make stuff that you yourself think is cool and think is interesting and speaks to you. And that's the only guiding light you have as an artist starting out because there's a lot of noise and there's a lot of inspiration. There's a lot of things you can try to do, but the most authentic thing is to make something that you believe in and you like. And then other people, there will be people who like it if you like it, unless you have like the most niche taste in the world.
0: <laughs> Even then though. Yeah. You know, the internet's a thing. <laughs> you can find your, uh, your little niche, but I'm curious about why you said, figure out what you're good at. Is there a story there?
2: maybe i think the theme of this conversation is that we've had to wear a lot of hats and we we enjoy doing that but i think as we've refined what we do we've amongst ourselves and like within our team have figured out what we're good at and what is a what is like our differentiator as a group so there there's kind of two schools of thought for being a productive person in general one is to work on what you're bad at one is to like hey i'm not very good at performance it's like singing live so i'm going to work on that which you should definitely do but then there's the other school of thought that's like hey i'm really good at writing melodies or something specific like that and maybe that's something that i really hone that and i try to be a great version of that so i can in a songwriting situation like hey this is something that this is something that i've experienced with i'm good at and you get the calls to do that because you're good at that and you work on that and there's a definite advantage because we can be jack of all trades, it's nice to define yourself specifically if you want like, a sustainable career in the music industry. Like, hey, I'm really good at this, this, this. So if you need that, like, I'm your guy. I think that's helpful for other people to slot you into categories because there will, people will always do that.
1: Totally. I think it, 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 it can be exhausting pursuing a career in such a vague industry when you're spreading yourself too thin as well. So if you're just, like, if you can really, like, hone in on specific things, it could be a couple things, but just not trying to do everything because then it's, like, you're kind of working on music, but you're kind of networking, but you're kind of doing this, and you're kind of making, like, it's, like, if if you're not giving your whole heart to, like, at least a couple things, then you're just never going to get anywhere with it. So I think it's kind of a balance. Like, for me, I go through phases of, like, okay, I, I need to get better at, like, this part. And then... And then I'll be like, but I haven't written a song in so long and I need to do that. And so I kind of like have been constantly trying to find the right balance of like, these are going to be my two, three things that I want to work on. And this is going to be my thing I always come back to and and can just get better at and practice and make sure I like keep in shape.
0: What can you share about how you actually kind of manage that? Do you set aside, you know, seasons or times or days or or what?
1: Man, I'm not the best at organizing my time. I, I definitely am. I'm one to jump around a lot.
0: Hey, a lot of musicians are that way, so you
1: know. (laughs) Yeah, I think um, we've gotten better at kind of making priorities and like and working backwards from goals. So we'll make like short-term goals that we want to achieve, whether it's like finish an album, whatever. Write this amount of songs that could go on the next project. And then work backwards, like, okay, so how, how do we do that? Like, do we need to just, like, book X amount of time in a studio or do we need to, like, try and do things remotely? How, how do we kind of make that happen? And kind of making it more manageable by working backwards in a timeline and kind of scheduling things out a little bit better. Like, I think at the beginning we were trying to do a million things at once and it was good, but it, you can burn out easily that way. So we've definitely gotten better at being like, this is our touring season. We're going to focus on touring. This is going to be our writing season. This is our recording season. And, and kind of trying to break it up that way and, and make it so that we can focus on what we have to really do. And we can always kind of jump around within that time, but we know what like the main priority
2: is. We're lucky that our, our lives are, at least in non-COVID times, are organized in these seasons. And like that our mindset goes completely. like We're on tour. we got to focus on performing. Every night we're getting better or we're writing an album, or we're recording an album, or we're promoting an album, which are all completely different things. You definitely get better if you're practicing one thing again and again and learning one, learning aspects of that thing. And it keeps it fresh for us. It's like, I feel like maybe that's, maybe that's why the music industry is organized the way it is so musicians like us who have no time management, organizational skills are told what to do at very specific
0: times. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I think we joke about that, but I think there is also something to that in terms of like setting up a structure for you to like work within, right? Because like, I know for me, like if left to my own devices, I'll just, who knows what's going to (laughs) happen. But like, you know, setting up a little bit of like a schedule, both on like a macro level, like of seasons, but then, you know, like on like a week sort of a basis, like I think that can help a lot.
2: Yeah, it's been helpful. And I think there's like the last 10 minutes of what we're talking about, like Devin, I know, like full hypocrisy because we're so bad at all of those things. We try to do everything. So this is mostly advice to ourselves.
1: It's a lifelong journey. (laughs) It's a lifelong journey.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah, I say this kind of ingest but no one goes into into music because they have you know everything all together no
1: yeah no (laughs) no
0: if you were a responsible human being you'd probably be a tech ceo or whatever (laughs) were you gonna add something there cal
2: i was gonna say that when anything creative stuff happens at times you don't expect to so we've another tough balance is like Like we get, we came off tour after a heavy touring year and then our team was kind of like, okay, time to write the album over the next three months. And then it it was hard. We're like, how do we just do that? Like just like sit in a chair and like spit out creative output. So a big part of what we're trying to like foster in the next like phase of our career is to have those seasons where we're doing stuff, but always be working on music and always be playing shows and like, kind of mix stuff in so we don't it's very hard to execute under those timelines of the kind of pursuits we're doing so taking little breaks to indulge indulge in creative stuff or indulge in shows for a break to try out the songs you've been writing is very helpful too
0: yeah and i think that kind of helps mitigate burnout a little bit because if you're waking up and doing the same thing every day again the musician mind is is such that uh (laughs) you know that's gonna that's gonna get a little bit feeling like you're putting a little too much of a box trying to you know do the same thing every day or every week or or whatever. What were some of the resources that really helped you early on in your career figure things out?
1: Oh, there was this book called All You Need to Know About the Music Business by Donald Passman. Was the one I read. And it was kind of just like one chapter was royalties and one chapter was legal side of music business and it, it was just kind of like a crash course on everything. And I think from the business perspective, it gave me a lot more clarity on like, how do you actually make money doing this? And what should you focus on? And there's so many different ways that you can approach this. So here's a little bit about each one and kind of allowing you to to just have more knowledge like before diving into all of it. So that was a big one that I I still kind of reference sometimes when I'm like, how is this supposed to work? So it was really helpful.
2: We also did like, conferences and stuff early on which like like felt at points like a bit of a keener thing to do where we would show up and watch all these talks
1: (laughs) they're 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 the worst
2: (laughs) yeah so there's like talks and panels and all that stuff and we're this is like chucking up shots just trying to break in to the industry time but honestly some of them some of the things in that have been really helpful and like We saw like Michael Rapino, who's the head of Live Nation, speak and like stuff like that was really cool and helpful too. And then at those conferences, you meet and talk to a lot of people, which is the most helpful. I think one of our like, what felt like a break for us was when we went to South by Southwest and we did like everything. We went to every show, we went to every panel, we like divided and conquered. And a lot of opportunities came from that and a lot of learning came from that too in terms of what team members we might want to add, what we can do on our own, what we wanted, what kind of band we wanted to be, what the trajectory, like it was like the first time we like kind of crept over the edge and saw bands like approaching the next level, what they were doing and what it looked like. So we felt really lucky that we were put into that situation and tried to continue to see what that world was about at the next step. Gotcha.
0: Cool, cool. Was there anything you wish you had that you weren't able to find during that season of your life?
2: I wish I had a mentor. I've never had. i never had a mentor in the music industry to this day. I have some peers that I respect, but I hear about a lot of people like citing a specific mentor as someone that they come to when they have to make a decision or when they're talking about their career as a whole. And I don't think any of us have really had that to, to a real degree.
1: Agreed, yeah. It, it, it's hard to find people in the same situation as us, and I, and but we have each other, which is great, but none of us are really, really sure. And I mean, this is before we obviously had our, our management team and our, our team who are all great. And I feel like we're in a different position now, but back then we would just kind of be like, should we do this? I think so. <laughs> Seems cool. Seems like it'll be good. Like, But there was really no one that we knew that was in the same position or even had gone through the same kind of thing. So that was definitely tough, kind of feeling a little bit of self-doubt in in whether we were putting our eggs in the right baskets.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mentorship and community, I think, is, is huge. Is something I hear a lot which is part of why, you know, side note, I'm going to be explaining a little bit more of this in the outro of this episode. So stick around for that. But we're launching community for artists just to talk about where you can connect with other people and ask questions and and grow together and all that. So stay tuned in the outro of the episode to hear more about that. (laughs) Yeah, no, I appreciate hearing that. Any other, as we wrap up your last pieces of advice that you would give to a new artist?
2: Time, the age-old adage, have fun. We've been stressing out about little decisions or entire career but there's a lot of moments where we look around and smell the roses and like acknowledge the ridiculousness of what we're doing and what situations that we're in when we're playing a random show or just in a completely foreign place like at the end of the day like we're musicians like I think all of us especially on the heels of like we're just finishing a record where like every decision seems huge and they are, and you can, like, you can have that passion for it, but being able to step back and, like, be like, okay, this is actually cool, really cool what we've done, or this was, like, a really fun, weird moment, and you can just, like, laugh and have fun with it because it doesn't have to be. We chose this job because we can do, really, whatever we want, so having a laugh and not taking yourself too seriously with it is is helpful.
1: Agreed, and I think just believe in yourself, like, that sounds cliche, but I think, like, we've spent so much time kind of doubting certain decisions or doubting certain choices and i think until like you really believe in what you're doing no one's going to hop on that bandwagon so i think just trying to let go of of any doubt that kind of gets in the way because i think that can be the most detrimental thing to anyone in a creative position just if you're doubting what you're doing or you're doubting what people are thinking or whatever it's just it's such a waste of time and energy and it gets in the way of like really accomplishing what you're trying to do
0: gotcha well that's great well guys thank you so much for coming on the show today and talking with me really appreciate it thank you
1: thank you it's nice talking
2: this is really fun it's fun to walk down memory lane and this is some of these stories are like exactly what we're saying the wake up and smell the roses moments where you can reflect on how far you've come or how far you think you've come
0: well, that's it for my conversation today with wild rivers please go check out their music it is fantastic real quick before we go would love if you would sign up for our new community on discord like i mentioned earlier Community is super, super important in order to be growing as an artist. And I think, even especially as we're still in the last kind of phase of this whole COVID thing and even transitioning back into the real world, having a little bit of a community to help just stay connected during the remainder of lockdown, but also to have some feedback on maybe how this transition's going or a little bit of networking before the world opens up again, I think that's going to be huge. So, go ahead, sign up for a community. I would love it. You can go talk about music, talk about the industry, talk about being an artist, talking about creativity, dogs, food, whatever you want. I just want us all to be able to hang out and encourage each other there. So just go to evergreenrecords.com slash community to sign up for that. But for now, that's it. We'll see you next week.